0: Chapter 9 Sol's legal team apparently didn't work weekends. McComer was still cooling his heels in the county jail Saturday morning. No, he hasn't heard back from his lawyer. Deputy jailer Jim Cardosi at the other end of the phone couldn't keep the snark out of his voice. I'm sure he'll be here when you get here. Since I had time on my hands, I decided to have breakfast at Lupe's, the Mexican restaurant around the corner from the jail. Maybe a big plate of huevos rancheros and a stout cup of Lupe's coffee would shake something loose. Get me thinking about where to look for Sarah next. Lupe and I went way back, but not like you think. I've eaten lunch at Lupe's two or three times a week since I became a PI. Since Gracie's death, I ate dinner there when Katie or the other siblings didn't provide a meal for me, and I didn't feel like facing my empty, silent house. Dinner at Lupe's was a way to be around people without having to speak to them or have them know how much my heart was breaking. I quickly became a regular. Lupe knew what to bring me. A cold dos equis, along with chips and her special recipe salsa when I walked in the door. Her father owned the place. He named it for his only daughter. Lupe was engaged to Guillermo back in the kitchen. They'd been together forever. They worked hard, long hours, knowing that when Papa died, the place would be theirs wasn't much different from any other hometown Mexican restaurant. Sombreros and serapes hanging on the walls among prints advertising beer or posters of dancing Mexican women or bullfighters. Mariachi music filled the place, even on this early morning. And like most restaurants in this country, the kitchen was staffed by a number of immigrants, most of whom were from Lupe and Guillermo's extended family, here, legally, and working toward their vision of the American dream. Some, however, were not and one I knew was an acquaintance of Pablo Hernandez. I slid into one of the colorful booths. Knowing I didn't drink beer this early, Lupe brought me a big mug of coffee. Huevos fits? She slid into the booth across from me and set the coffee down, then rested her chin on her fist. Her smile was warm and welcoming. You doing okay? Some days are better than others. And yes, huevos sounds great. Bring me some extra rice, too, would you please? She nodded and disappeared back into the kitchen. I smoothed the morning edition of the Fawcettville Times across the table. The fire and McComber's arrest made it to the front page. Sole leader held in suspicious blaze. The story didn't have a whole lot more than what I had garnered at the scene, except to say that Hawksworth didn't spend the night in his car after all. He got a room at the downtown hotel. Sarah's car fire and the discovery of the body they identified as female shared space above the fold, but below the Hawksworth fire, a full newsday for a small town newspaper where the staff was cut to the bone. Both stories were basic, I could tell from the style that the reporters had for the most part regurgitated the police report. No hard questions, no talking to anybody at the scene. They also didn't make the connection between Sarah Pelfrey and Chase Hawksworth. Something the editor would regret once it was known. The car fire story also did not make the leap that the body could have been Sarah's. I knew, though, there was simply no time for follow-up stories or any investigation of substance. It did, however, make police investigation easier, without some goddamn reporter dogging their every move. I made it through the sports pages, and was halfway through the comics before Lupe came back with my breakfast. She set my plates down and slid back into the bench seat across from me as I dove in with my fork. It's good, yeah? As always. Hey, Alejandro Mendez. You still working here as a line cook? She rolled her eyes in disgust. Her voice dropped to a whisper. He was? Until that detective, Joe Barnes? He came in here yesterday and accused him of having something to do with some woman missing. What happened? That cabron comes in here and demands, all tough and pushy, to speak to Alejandro back in the kitchen. Papa was working the bar. The place was packed. Then all I hear is these dishes breaking and yelling. What do they say? All I heard was some woman named Sarah was missing and probably dead. And if Alejandro knew anything about it, he needed to come clean. If he didn't, Alejandro would be charged as an accessory. Shit. I tried to sound concerned for Lupe's sake. But Barnes's methods didn't surprise me. Barnes was a believer in the theory that he talked to you because you had a connection, however tenuous to the crime. And if you had a connection, he had a convincing way of making you believe you were probably guilty in some way. It generally worked. Barnes cleared most of his cases. I only knew of three that were reversed on appeal, not a bad average. Listen, I know Alejandro doesn't have the best guiding people as friends. I've wondered more than once about that Pablo Hernandez told him to keep him out of my restaurant. Yesterday I had to run back there and tell Senor Barnes to leave. By that time Alejandro already left out the back and we had to redo a dozen orders. What's all this about? Have you seen today's paper? I folded the copy of the Times over so she could see the car fire story. She read through it quickly and let out a gasp. I leaned in close. What the story doesn't say is that that woman who owns the car was supposed to testify against Pablo Hernandez two days before this happened. He took a plea, but she disappeared from her job, and this dead body was found in the back of her car. The police think someone associated with Pablo Hernandez may have Sarah. She could be in serious danger, or she could be dead. Oh, Fitz. How awful. So, the police think Alejandro knows where this woman is? I shrugged. They're shaking the bushes to do anything to find her. Alejandro is a friend of Guillermo's little brother, who does the dishes for us. I'll go back there right now and let Guillermo know that he's not to come back. I can't have this kind of person in our kitchen. Hang on, Lupe. He may or may not have anything to do with Sarah's disappearance. If he shows up, though, have him call me, okay? The bell above the door rang and Lupe craned her neck to see who it was. Customers, I need to run. If I hear from Alejandro, I'll let you know." She slid out from the booth and rushed off to seat her guests, and I finished my breakfast. A few minutes later, since I didn't need to worry about losing track of McComer and Barnes had already chased off Mendez, I was on my way to visit the Nagy and Wheelerson farms. I didn't think they had anything to do with Sarah's disappearance, but you never know. If nothing else, they might give me more insight into Steve McComer. James Nagy was tall and thin, like a runner, he had a graying beard down to the middle of his chest, and what was left of his ponytail was long, stringy, and gray. His wife, Marta, was short and plump. The morning breeze blew her long, gray, curly hair around her face. Both wore faded jeans, tie-dye Grateful Dead t-shirts, and muddy boots. They were walking towards the barn with buckets of grain when I pulled up in the excursion. A flock of orange chickens scattered, clucking loudly, when I stepped from the SUV. "'Good morning, friend.' Nagy extended his hand and grinned. I had a feeling everybody got this greeting. I handed him a card and introduced myself. "'I'm looking for a woman named Sarah Hunter Pelfrey who's been missing for several days. She has connections to Chase Hawksworth. I know you have an active civil lawsuit against Mr. Hawksworth and his company. I was wondering if you'd ever seen her.' Marta Nagy brushed a wisp of gray hair from her face. She slung a handful of grain at the chickens around us, and her words were curt. I don't know anything about Mr. Hawksworth's friends or who he associates with. I only know the damage he's done to our family and our home. I pulled a photo of Sarah from my back pocket. Look familiar. Neggy and his wife both shook their heads. No, I can't say that she is. Let me ask you this. When did you decide to file your lawsuit against full bore drilling? We originally didn't like the idea of drilling being so close to our house, but Carlisle Wheelerson and Hawksworth, they assured us that all safety precautions would be taken and our water would be safe to drink. We started noticing a smell, an awful smell to our water right after construction on the site began, but you know, we, we live in the country, sometimes well water has a smell to it, it can be full of iron. And that's why we moved out here, we wanted to escape from the city, raise our own food, drink water that wasn't contaminated by the government with chlorine. We lived here Anna's whole life, raising our chickens and goats and our vegetables. And when Anna started feeling ill, losing weight and having all these aches and pains, I thought it was the flu, but it never seemed to go away. When we learned she had leukemia, that's when we filed suit. You ever heard of a man named Steve McComer? Marta jumped into the conversation, nodding eagerly. Yes. It was after Anna started feeling ill that I went to one of Sol's meetings. That's where I learned about the horrible things that fracking can cause, especially about the water contamination. McComer came out and showed us how bad our water was. He took his Bic lighter and held it next to our faucet and then opened the spigot. You should have seen the blue flames. We're watering all our livestock with water we've had to have brought in now, not to mention all the bottled water we drink and cook with. What was your overall impression of McComer? Nagy scratched his beard pensively. He certainly is committed to his cause. And not just because he's young, he's willing to do anything to stop fracking wherever he finds it. Anything? That doesn't bode well for the arson charges against him. We joined Sol right after Anna was diagnosed, but our activity in the group has been limited to financial support, or volunteering at the office, behind the scenes. Nothing like the effort Steve has shown. He's fighting for us day in and day out, I can just tell. What do you mean? Nagy stopped and thought for a moment. Honestly, I haven't seen Steve in action for a while, but we do speak to him on a regular basis. It's in his commitment. You see it in his eyes. He always asks about Anna and reminds us that he's doing this for her and every other kid who's been poisoned by hydraulic fracking. Marta jumped in again. Our lawyer felt it would hurt our chances in court if we showed up at the protests at Hawksworth's house. As much as we would like to take a stand about what's occurring in our community, it's more important to get Anna healthy and have her medical bills paid. How often do these protests occur? We used to get a daily email asking for folks to come out and hold signs, but I have no idea how many actually show up. Are you aware he filed a restraining order against Seoul to stop the protests? He shook his head. No. Come to think of it, we haven't gotten an email in about a week. Anna hasn't been doing very well, so we haven't been into the office to volunteer either. That would fit Hawksworth's claim that he'd been seen regularly at the end of his driveway and lent even more credence than McComer sent the house on fire. Apparently, McComer was willing to take a chance on getting arrested, but didn't want Soul's rank and file to do that. How many members of Sol do you know? Is it possible that the woman I'm looking for is a member? The two aging hippies looked at each other and shrugged. I suppose anything is possible. Marta stuck her hand out. Let me see that picture again. I handed it to her and she held it close, examining it. It wasn't the best picture. Alicia Linderman pulled it off the DMV database and gave it to me when the case began. I don't think I've seen her. I'm sorry. Sarah's car burned Friday and they found the body of someone else in the trunk. Last night, somebody burned Hawksworth's house down. McComer was arrested. Grain slipped from between Marta's stubby fingers and she gasped. Her husband didn't react. You're not surprised. Nagy pulled at his beard again. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. This obviously matters to Steve. You think he did it then? Nagy smiled, but it wasn't the friendly one that originally greeted me. Who knows what steps a man will take to bring justice into this world? Thanks. I'll be in touch. Carlisle Wheelerson was under the hood of his rusting pickup truck when I pulled into his drive on the other side of Fullbore's drilling site. It must have been a visitation weekend. A set of twin boys ran through the yard while a surly teenage girl with heavy black eye makeup and purple-streaked hair slumped on the porch steps and stared at her phone. Carlisle stood but didn't speak as I stepped from my SUV. There was no need to introduce myself. I'm looking for someone, Carlisle. I pulled Sarah's picture from my back pocket and showed it to him. You know her? He didn't take the photo from my hand. Nope. You sure? Yep. He turned back to the truck engine. I hate to bother you, but we need to talk. I reached for his sleeve and he shrugged me off. I got better things to do. My idiot ex-wife told Sunshine over there I'd let her use my pickup truck. She neglected to ask if the damn thing ran. Sunshine, if that was her real name, looked up at her dad and rolled her eyes. Katie's comment on Josie's son Rocco ricocheted suddenly through my head. Her son Rocco is a wonderful kid. Well-mannered, good student, everything anybody would love to have in a teenager. There are days I'd love to turn in my brats for someone like Rocco, I'll tell you that. I shook that thought from my head as I leaned over the other side of the pickup's engine. I'm not interested in bringing anyone into my life, Katie. Not Josie, not her kid, not Alicia, not anyone. Carlyle spoke softly, not looking up. I don't appreciate having some cop show up at my house while my kids are here. I don't lead that life anymore. Neither do I, Carlyle. And I'm not a cop. I'm a P.I. I'm looking for someone. That woman whose picture I showed you, she's got connections to Chase Hawksworth. And so do you. He raised his head finally. That bastard lied to me, told me his processes were safe, told me I could make millions in royalties from the gas and oil underneath my land. Now I gotta worry about poisoned cattle, probably three-headed calves next spring. I can't drink the water from my own well, my neighbors hate me. I have to practically beg Darla to let the kids come over because she's convinced they'll be poisoned by walking in the fucking door. Besides that, I haven't seen a dime from that son of a bitch. But you don't know the woman I'm looking for. Uh-uh. Never seen her. You know Steve McComer? That asshole from Seoul. He and a bunch of his idiot followers stood at the end of my drive with signs that said I was collaborating with the enemy, ruining the land. If there's anybody who cares about the land, it's farmers. We make our damn living from the land. I got taken by Chase Hawksworth. That's why I filed the suit, but they don't want to hear that. Seoul and McComer just want to get their names in the paper and on TV. Was this woman in the group who came to your drive... He looked again at the photograph. No. What did you do when they showed up? He looked me hard in the eye. I didn't do a thing. I just walked to the end of my driveway with my shotgun and told them tree huggers were in season. Never pointed at anyone. Never threatened to shoot them. Yeah, they're all so devoted to their cause. They scattered like rabbits. McComer only ran off when I leveled my shotgun at him. Pussy. I smirked. Religion or not, the old, rowdy Carlisle I remember it wasn't too far beneath the surface. I'm sure the purple-haired terror on the porch was more like her father than either parent would like to admit. Thanks. You you see her. Call me, okay? He nodded and grunted as he tightened the bolts on the battery. He stood, walked to the open driver's door and leaned around the steering wheel to turn the key. The old pickup truck groaned to life along with the suddenly pleasant girl on the porch, who squealed and ran to hug her dad. If I see her, I'll let you know. He kissed sunshine on the top of her purple head. But I doubt it. Before I visited McComer in jail, I wanted to know exactly what I was facing. To do that, I'd need a little more inside information than just what a public record search could give me. Maybe I could talk Barnes into meeting me for a cup of coffee. That's was one of the FPD's two detectives. He was probably investigating the arson on top of the car fire. I found him at Puccini's, sipping espresso and reading the Fawcettville Times in one of the red booths near the window. College students filled the tables, and young parents with their kids in expensive strollers lined up for their whipped cream-covered lattes, a far cry from when it was the purview of unemployed or retired steelworkers and the older Italian residents from the new Tivoli neighborhood. Fitz. Barnes nodded as I slipped into the booth, the cannoli in my own espresso. Barnes. He smacked the newspaper page with the back of his hand. This paper is a piece of shit. They left the word search out again. What's up with you? I'm still looking for Sarah Pelfrey. Yeah, so are we. She disappeared off the face of the earth. I've shaken down Hernandez and everybody who ever passed him on the street. I heard about your visit to Alejandro Mendez. He smirked. The undocumented Senor Mendez and all his buddies say the same thing. They haven't seen her, they don't know her, and they don't know of any plot to hunt her down or kill her. If she's not dead already. I've called her several times. I get no answer. There's no voicemail set up either. It's probably a burner phone. It's probably been thrown out already. He tapped his fingers on the table. You think Hernandez got to her, and anyone who knows is just scared to say anything? He shrugged in acknowledgement. Maybe. But she's turning into a person of interest, if not a suspect, the longer she stays in Highton. We haven't got any other leads on who that body is, either. Although Doc Lamberto did confirm the victim was transgender. Said it was a male pelvis. There's nothing in any database with the name Tommy Lynn attached to it, so we have no clue if our victim's real name... We're waiting on DNA results, which could take weeks, along with confirmation on the serial numbers on the breast implants. So we're stuck in neutral right now. I filed that information away and steered the conversation back to Sarah. Would you come out of hiding if an admitted murderer was looking for you? I don't know. There's no cell phone activity and no credit card activity. Her father claims he hasn't seen her. Pretty suspicious behavior from both of them, if you ask me. Didn't Miss Linnerman offer her a chance to go into witness protection? Maybe that's where she went. He slurped his espresso. She did, and Sarah turned it down. She's not the brightest bulb in the Christmas tree. Somebody's keeping her hidden then, for whatever reason. Maybe I'll call the feds. They won't tell you anything if she is. You know they won't. I shifted gears, trying to sound as nonchalant as possible. You working the Hawksworth fire? Yeah, that McComer idiot we're holding did it. No doubt in my mind. Why do you say that? For starters, he had a confrontation with Hawksworth before the fire started, and as the violation of the restraining order that he stay 500 feet away. He's also got ties to some of the nastiest eco-terrorism groups in this area. He was implicated in the three firebombing cases in Pennsylvania, but his lawyers managed to get him acquitted. None of those tree-huggers realize there's people's jobs and lives at the other end of the shenanigans. McComa's just as bad as the rest of them. Barnes stopped pontificating just long enough to take another sip of his espresso. His attitude wasn't much different than a lot of Fawcettville. Out-and-out arson was one thing, which deserved to be punished. But folks needed jobs, and fracking provided those jobs. And while no one wanted their lands ruined or their water poisoned, if this arson could be traced to Seoul or McComer, there wouldn't be very many folks on their side for very long. It was a long, tight-wire walk to take. Barnes sat his tiny white cup down. So what's this I hear about you and Madam Prosecutor? What? Come on, Fitz. Jones said he and his buddy were drinking with the two of you Wednesday night. Said you were pretty shit-faced and he had to drive your truck home. She brought you home in her car, but you never saw her leave. Then yesterday, when you and I talked, you were at her office, right? Jesus, why is my life so fucking fascinating to people? In the years before I'd married Gracie, I'd been caught doing the police chief's wife, Maris Monroe. I wasn't the first one, I was just the first one to get caught. My lieutenant engineered my retirement a few minutes before the former chief, Nathaniel Monroe, could fire me, but it was a story that never seemed to die. Working with local divorce attorneys, I often had wives show up in my office who wanted to pay their husbands back in the same way they'd been betrayed. Before I married Gracie, I'll admit, I indulged in one or two sessions. Okay, more than several. On what came to be called my fee couch. But after our marriage, some jilted wives still didn't want to believe that I took the forsaking all others part of my wedding vows very seriously. It pissed Gracie off on more than one occasion, and was one reason she insisted I hire Mary Margaret. I am not sleeping with Alicia Linerman. Why do people come up with this stuff? He wasn't buying it. You tell me. You met her at her office Friday, and some of her staff said they heard you two arguing. She's been dating some mysterious man she won't tell anyone about. One of the assistant prosecutors told me two, sometimes three times a week. Everyone in that office thinks it's you. Everyone at the cop shop, too. Oh, Christ almighty. I ran my fingers through my hair in exasperation. I hate small towns. You can tell me, Fitz. Won't go anywhere. Yeah, right. I tossed back my espresso and wrapped my cannoli in a paper napkin. I'm out of here. I gotta go talk to McComer. Why the hell would you want to do that? I simply smiled and downed my espresso. You never know what secrets that tree hugger has in his past.